One voice, you can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice, you can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice, you can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. Welcome to the One Mic, One Voice Show, Building the Collective Conscious, a show that's created to give space where your voice, ideas, and informed opinions can be heard, appreciated, and debated. I am Michael Eric Owens. And I am DT, and thank you for joining us for episode 113. Wow. Yeah, that's on the other side of the double zero uh-huh. with the one in front of it. <laughs> right. A little uh, arithmetic there. Uh, old school. Once right. again, classes in session. Classes in session, folks. You know what? We lost um, a great icon um, that you, that I think many of our listeners are not aware of. Mm-hmm. And her name is Val Phillips. And I don't think until up until this week, you were really aware of Miss. Yes, sir. Last week we talked about education, right? And I think it's important to know uh, who our contributors are. Um, Like you said, until early in the week, I had no idea about who Vell Phillips was. And um, now we will get a chance to introduce her to not only um, the United States, but, you know, we have an international listening audience. So to the rest of the world, we we like to share uh, the story of Mrs. Phillips' life and her contributions to where we stand today. And I mean, really, we just going to jump right into this thing. So so the question is, who is Val Phillips? Who is she? What did she accomplish? Um, what was her impact on Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Hometown. My hometown, of course, and uh, the culture at large. Um, how did she fit within the civil rights tradition and this is why, as DT pointed out, this is why we need education. This is why we need to understand uh, what has transpired, uh, not just uh, before us, but around us. Uh, in order, I think, for us to to not only make the proper decisions, but to really understand life in general. Mm-hmm. And so, who is Val Phillips? Let's... I want to take a listen to this um, to this video here. It ain't easy up here. <laughs> Even after 55 years as a civil rights leader, Vel Phillips is still making a difference. Most of us really aren't aware of what we can do until you do it. To this day, Vel is a strong force in her hometown of Milwaukee, leading political forums speaking to future history makers, and managing the Vell Phillips Foundation, which ensures that the values Vell has championed will march on. Do something that can just help make this a better world, and you'll find that it takes a hold of you, and you just love it. Vell's journey as a civil rights pioneer began at North Division High School, where, as a member of the Forensics Club, Vell won a speech competition, even though some of the judges were openly uncomfortable with the color of her skin. It was just a wonderful, wonderful feeling. It made me feel like, well, you can get over hurdles if you try hard. We're going to give her some support. 
Vel Phillips has since jumped over enough hurdles to make any track star jealous. And since she's been the first woman and African-American to accomplish so many things, Vel is often called Wisconsin's first lady. However, the status quo was not always welcoming to Vel and her new perspectives. So what difference does it, it make? It makes a big difference to me, Chief Breyer. That's begging the question. I want to know if some pictures were taken, because this is why we're here. You Would you be willing to vote for a stronger fair housing law? Not this time, no. This is why people get sick and fed up with coming to these kind of meetings. <laughs> it's just a lot of hogwash. No matter how tough things became for Vell at work, she always had her two sons and husband Dale to give her strength. And sometimes, a good laugh. During Vell's first campaign for Alderman, Vell and Dale overheard another couple talking about the election when Dale decided to lighten the mood. She said, uh, we're voting for Vell Phillips. And when she said that, I turned around to say thank you. But before I could say thank you, the man said, yes, we, we like him because he is a lawyer and he is a this and he is a that, you know. And I was just... I, I just closed up like that. My husband jumped right in and said, oh, I'm so glad because we think he is very good too. Fell <laughs> did win that election in 1956 and went on to blaze many new trails. You will have to face the issue of fair housing squarely. Her most publicized cause as alderman was a fair housing ordinance, which took many years of persistence and hundreds of marches to enact. The day will come when we would have moved so far ahead that no one even thinks about the first. Fair house. Not if we can help it. By honoring her story, the Wisconsin Historical Society is ensuring that future generations will find their own inspiration from the accomplishments of Vell Phillips. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's... Um, Let's just name some some obvious accomplishments. Okay. Now, I, North Division was Oh, a, <laughs> uh, here we go. <laughs> now, North Division wasn't too far from where I grew up, and I had a bunch of friends that went to North, as we called it. Yeah, we slid and by there, uh, did Oh, we? yeah, we slid by North Division. You, you saw it with your own eyes. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Man, we played basketball at North Division, man, multiple times uh, in the gym. Very familiar, historic, you know, black inner city high school. Uh, produced um, Val Phillips. Wow. What? Oh, okay, and so she was the first, and, you know, in wherever you are, you know, in Oklahoma, you call them councilmen, we call them aldermen. Uh, on the Common Council, the first black um, female black person to be an alderman. Um, also, first black female judge. Mm -hmm. She was an attorney by by uh, by trade, of course. Um, so she was also the first. Um African-American woman to graduate from Wisconsin-Madison Law School. Absolutely. I was getting there. Oh, sorry. All right. But you know, no, no, I'm glad you <laughs> threw that in there. Right, right. The first, right, to graduate from um, law school there. Uh, she was also the secretary 
of state. Now, just looking at these accomplishments, and I will say Miss Phillips passed away. We lost her on April 17th, um, just a few days ago. And so that's why it's so important at this time, at this moment, to reflect upon her life. Let's for a moment just to begin to think about what it took to achieve these firsts, not as a black man, but as a black woman. In this time period of racial segregation, of, you know, cultural violence during the 50s, the 60s, Think about how difficult it had to be and how much courage it took to stand up at a time and say, women weren't allowed to do much of anything. Mm. We talking, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm talking to the plethora of women, right, that listen to this show. At this time, you weren't allowed to do much of anything. You were fighting the feminist movement, here is a black woman in the face of all of that. Not only does she have the tenacity, that's the word, as she said in there, you know, they thought it was a man running. (laughs) (laughs) Not only does she have the tenacity to run, but she had the Hope, the belief that she would win. Mm-hmm. Let's stay right there, brother. Talk a little bit about that. I think you mentioned something really critical because, um, you know, as a woman, you know, she was facing all these challenges. And even before uh, people like Martin came on the scene, people like Rosa Parks came on the scene, she was already kind of doing the groundwork to make these big changes happen. And she says something in the second right there is that, you know, you're not always aware of what you can do until you do it. Mm. And so a lot of people out there who are not fully aware or or, um, conscious of their capabilities sometimes opt to do nothing Mm. in response to to not knowing what they can do. And so for this lady, and you look at her, she's very sweet looking, um, very humble. She uh, looked good too, did she? Soft tone. Yeah, man, she's a very nice looking woman. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't expect this type of fight to be coming out of a woman like that. Um, and so, I mean, like you said, man, I, I, I take my hat to, to, the, to the struggle of, of being a woman in that time and fighting against the fight that she fought. And, and uh, she ahead. often says that her, her mom was, was not yeah, like. Her mom didn't like it, <laughs> said she was very unladylike <laughs> <laughs> to be marching and yelling up and down the street. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm sure her mother has some reserve about the danger that her daughter was in, uh, putting herself out there like that. Um. But, but you know, can't help it. And, and 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 think about it like this, folks. How many of us, in the time period that we are in, with the opportunities that we have right now, at that time, uh, Miss Phillips had to go in front of the Common Council to articulate what she thought was right. We can sit at our computer today (laughs) and reach massive amount of people to to articulate what we think is right. 
yet we are inept in that. We have we can create our own platforms, right? But yet we feel that we don't have the efficacy to do that, right? That's what's sad. Here was a time period. If if anything, we should be inspired to say, if she could do that then, what am I capable now, right? Um, and I this is what I like most about her is, oh man, you know, she had death threats. Somebody shot through her house. Um, she talked about this one letter that she got, and we're gonna go to break here, folks. But she talked about this one letter that she got from this gentleman that, of course, was using racial slurs and calling her nigger and all this other kind of things. And 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 she got to a line in the letter that said, if you see brown streaks in this letter, you know I used this to wipe my ass. And she said she instantly dropped it then. In the face of all of that, She stood tall. Now, as we go to break, what are you faced with? What is preventing you from standing tall? We'll be right back. Oklahoma Humanities Brain Box podcast uses the humanities to take listeners on a deep dive into the issues affecting American society and culture. Join some of Oklahoma's most interesting and knowledgeable humanities scholars to explore how history, literature, ethics, philosophy, and other humanities fields inform our understanding of current events and the human experience. And to find the Brain Box podcast, simply search Brain Box podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and any other podcasting library. If you have any ideas or comments rattling around in your noggin, email us at brainbox at okhumanities.org. This is Josh K. And I am Leah Marie. And when we listen to podcasts, we always listen to One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. Your choice. Phillips. She is here with us in the building today. Her legacy, her life, her accomplishments, her example, her grace, her beauty, her elegance is here with us in the studio today, folks. And we are inspired, inspired by her. Uh, Reading about her all week, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up, you know, I mean, if you're from Milwaukee and you didn't know about her, shame on you. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think you could have been a black kid and not recognize. I'll toss out another name, Lord Barbie. We're gonna go there one day too, D. Okay, because uh, you know we, it, you know, she was a sister that was on fire, but he was a brother that was on fire, right? And then we might have to, we might have to single out Father Grappy because he was a. White brother that was on fire. So uh, Milwaukee was lace 
um, with people that saw the injustices and wouldn't let it go. I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, Miss Phillips was an attorney. Clearly, she could have lived a comfortable life as any black person could have done at that time in a law practice, right? She could have. Dr. King could have lived a quiet life as a minister and leading a flock, right? But sometimes you cannot turn away. The most obvious thing sometimes is right in front of you. The injustice, if we can, if we can look upon injustices and either turn away or be comfortable with it, then I question the character of the person, mm-hmm. right? So me and, me and Vel did have something in common. Come on. We're born in February. Birthday is hey. the 18th, mine is the 22nd. Okay. Hey, I would claim it. Yeah, I'm grasping onto anything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I would claim it. She actually graduated from uh, Howard with an art degree yeah. also. Man. I kind of dabble in the arts oh, myself. Yeah, absolutely. An artiste. <laughs> now, what caused this dilemma? What, you know, because oftentimes when we look at leaders, the question comes up, does the leader create the situation or does a situation create the leader right so what was the condition in milwaukee and i think milwaukee we can talk really about what was happening in the midwest at that particular time to and sort of encapsulate her life so that we can understand it in it in a holistic way so this this dilemma was really the migration that happened from the South, right? You had slavery, and folks was like, I got to get as far out of here as possible. And it's believed that the first migration happened between 1916 and 1930, which saw about 1.6 million people move, blacks, move mostly from from rural areas to northern industrial cities, World War II, you had the you had you had the the, the boom with the industri- industrialization and jobs and so forth. So blacks began to move there. World War One, World War Two. The second great migration from 1940 to 1970, which began after the, the Great Depression, and brought about five million people blacks including many townspeople with urban skills to the north and to California and other western city. And this influx of black people, what that did was it caused this racial divide. Some people think at this time you begin to have this thing, quote-unquote, called the creation of whiteness. When you look at the early the early. 20th century, if you look at, you know, really 1916, like we said in 1930, you really had this attack on the Irish. The Irish changed their names to more Anglo-Saxon names. You had these attacks on the Germans. So you had kind of like this idea that 
we were separate. Milwaukee is a very German town, has its Irish, has its Polish. But at that time, they were seen as really kind of rivals in a way. But when you had this influx of these invaders, these black people looking for jobs, all of a sudden, uh, there's a commonality here. And it's based upon skin tone, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, so, so what we find here is this, this situation that is created where you have all of these blacks, yet there's not really much housing. Where they're gonna live? Where they're gonna live, right? Uh, they don't own property, so many of them are put into situations where they're they're renting rooms and and uh, you know the you know the slum lords. Uh, um, the white flight takes place, and 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 and, and we you know go back and, and look at uh, who created the ghetto. When we talk about redlining, that goes mm. right back to this time period, yes, folks. Yes. It's all connected, right? Something I want to mention about the Great Migration, Mike, is uh, <clears throat> says it's one of the largest and most rapid mass internal movements in history. Perhaps the greatest not caused by the immediate threat of execution or starvation. In sheer numbers, it outranks the migration of any other ethnic group, Italians or Irish or Jews or Poles, to the United States. For blacks, the migration meant leaving what had always been their economic and social base in America and finding a new one. Mm. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, you know, some, sometimes you, 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 that influx of people, um, I imagine if I would play devil's advocate, that that showed a lot of concern for the locals. But at the end of the day, they migrated there. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, okay, we're all a land of immigrants, correct? Right. So um, this idea that somehow it's good for us, but it's not good for you. <laughs> or we determine, based upon our own personal agenda, who and when you are allowed to migrate. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, blacks were citizens. While there were second-class citizens, I would suggest they still had the right to move about and do what they wanted to do and where Val Phillips comes in she says we have a right to live where we want to live anywhere I can afford anywhere my money can take me Mm -hmm. now again who created the ghetto we go back to real estate covenants redlining we can go back to all of all of the systemic all right the systemic Laws that restricted where black people and brown people could live, right? And I imagine her being educated, being somebody who was um, looking to better her life, not being, uh, or not wanting to be constricted to one area. Uh, It talks about in Milwaukee, the inner core being the place where most blacks lived or were allowed to live, but... It's one of the most destitute places you could be. Well, you went through the inner core. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lovely place. <laughs> right? You, you saw what? Uh, you know. Dogs crying. 
<laughs> birds walking. Hey, hey, five three two zero six, right? We went through five three two zero six. I grew up in five three two zero six. There's a documentary out on. There's a full film coming out of it. Sixty two percent of all black males go to prison in five three two zero six. That is the inner core of Milwaukee, part of the inner core. So what we see here is the need, the need to fight against unfair housing practices upon the influx of all of these American citizens coming for a better life, folks. Listen, we're going to get deeper into this thing. We're going to take a break here. Hang in with us. We're going much lower. We will be right back. This is DT of the One Mic, One Voice podcast. just want to let you guys know you can go over to iTunes and search us at One Mic, One Voice and be sure to rate and review our episodes. Let us know about any feedback that you have and what you enjoy about the episodes. Also, you can go over to Stitcher where you can get the latest and freshest episodes of our podcast streamed directly to your smartphone or iPad. No downloading or syncing. How cool. Real smooth. Also, we just like to take the time to thank you for your time and for your energy and for spending time with us as we discuss the historical record of our time. This is Dr. Laura Jalat, and when I listen to podcasts, I always listen to the One Mic, One Voice show. An icon, legend, someone that we should all aspire to, a visionary, a truth teller, strength, strength and beauty. Yeah. She encompasses all of that. All of that. Who among us? will rise to those attributes. Folks, what a life, D. What a life. I want to listen. Because, I mean, we, we can sit up here uh, for the remainder of the show and talk, but let's, let's listen to Miss Phillips in her own words. You see this house next door? The police nearly burned down her house last night. Now, she just lost her son in Vietnam five months ago. That house is going to be torn down. She has no place to go. We had a Marine come here. Guy spent six months in Vietnam, you know. Goes on to fringe areas. Lady won't rent her, her, him and his wife because of black people. We still do not have fair housing laws. You see, this neighborhood you're in right now is a Kilbert Town 3 project. They're taking 1,000 black families out of this neighborhood, and they're moving them out. Now, they're supposed to be relocating, but they aren't. But the black families that are moving out of this neighborhood have no place to go. There's discrimination even on the fringe areas. You see, there's no place for black families to go. We don't have any fair housing law. Belle Phillips, the first woman and first African-American alder in Milwaukee, first proposed an opening house ordinance to the Common Council in 1962. We 
For the next six years, Phillips introduces the ordinance repeatedly without success. The committee has chosen, as it has done previously, to reject the ordinance unanimously. With that, I can say only one thing, that either you um, uh, don't read and you are, are not uh, sufficiently knowledgeable to speak to the subject, and that could well be, uh, or you uh, are just afraid to speak. You lack the courage to speak. It was my wish to save my colleagues the embarrassment of dealing with such a political hot potato during the months when they would be running for office. However, now that I have seen the lack of sincerity as exhibited by the committee, the lack of good faith, and the total unwillingness on the part of the council to deal constructively with the problems of Milwaukee's minorities, it is my firm intention to submit this ordinance for reconsideration as soon as the rules of this council will allow, and then to resubmit it until you, gentlemen, acknowledge the existence of discrimination and face squarely the need for legislative action by this honorable body. Bell Phillips is the only auditor voting in favor of the opening house ordinance. None of this is meant as a veiled threat. But there are no longer excuses for inaction or delay. Those people who come every day to St. Boniface Church, and they come from all over the country, come there with the idea that nobody is free until everybody is free, and we intend to march, all of us, until we get just some of the basic freedoms that are ours. If ever a matter, if ever a matter demanded the urgent attention and forthright action of this common council, this is it. Gentlemen, the time is now. Thank you. Council finally approves Phillips' opening housing legislation on April 30, 1968, two weeks after national ordinance is signed by President Johnson. Wow. Okay. That was Father Grappi started out in the video, right? <laughs> Folks, if you all you got to do is YouTube Father Grappi. I'm I'm a, with Saint Boniface Boniface Church in Milwaukee. Was you? probably the most activist Catholic church. Um, if you talk about a, a priest. Who was about it, about it. Oh, man. That's Master Peeves. Oh, man. He was about about it, right? He was, uh, we would say uh, Father Flager is in the tradition of Father Grappi. Mm -hmm. He is before that. Uh, he marched with King. He... Um, would not be denied. And in that clip, we saw just how um, forceful Valve was in her speaking to that council. 
She was the only woman, let alone a black woman, when, when she said, you gentlemen. <laughs> the council was full of white, old white males. So I'm going to submit and okay. resubmit. The mayor was a white male. Okay. The police chief with his crooked self and the mayor with his crooked self were white men. He, you had this singular black female voice speaking in the wilderness of power. This is wrong. We need change. She said, maybe you don't read. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you lack the understanding. <laughs> you maybe <laughs> you like maybe you afraid to lead, right? I mean, think about those are harsh words to a council. When we tap back into the listen, the courage that it took her, right, um, to stand up and to do that, and then she 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 alluded to these um, these marches, okay, and we're going to hear about these marches here, folks. Let's let's when we talk about commitment to change. How long did the teacher's strike last? Uh, roughly fourteen days. Mm. Mm. More like ten working days, probably. Mm -hmm. Right, ten days. Ten days. Let's think about the Montgomery bus boycott. How long did that last? Let's say one year. One year sacrificing the comforts of life. One year. Let's talk about um, these marches in Milwaukee. How many days did they march? Did they march 10 days? More like 200 okay. plus. Okay. On their feet. Oh, let's let's roll it, brother. Let's 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 roll it so that people don't think I'm lying. In the 1960s, Milwaukee was divided. The black community lived in the north, the white in the south. The 16th Street Viaduct was the bridge that connected the two communities, but more than just a river separated them. Things were getting tense. The inner core was falling apart, and families were left with few options. The black community was hurting. Something had to give. Two people bravely stepped up to lead the way. Bell Phillips and Father James Groppy were an unlikely pair of heroes. Bell's story is a tale of firsts. She became the first African-American woman to become a Milwaukee Alderwoman and to introduce a fair housing law. Listen, I just didn't see why uh, I should not be able to live anywhere in the city that I could afford to live. James Groppy put himself through seminary school driving buses. While few others bothered to listen to the troubles of the inner core, this bus driver lent an ear. The words of the people went straight to his heart. Uh, when someone black came to me and said, look, Father, they won't rent to me beyond 27th Street at that time, 
What did you want me to do as a white priest in Henderson City Parish? Now, that was my fight. He was not the man who kindled the fire. He was the one who kept the lid on it. That's the reason Milwaukee didn't burn. Father Groppy joined the struggle for civil rights in Milwaukee. Their weapons weren't bullets or bombs. They fought by marching, a lot of marching. The two started with big steps. Vell proposed a new citywide fair housing law, but it was rejected on a 20 to one vote. Father Groppy became the NAACP Youth Council Advisor. The group picketed white-only establishments, held prayer vigils, and sang Christmas carols to those who didn't think they'd make good neighbors. In the summer of 67, cities all over the country, including Milwaukee, had violent riots. The streets seemed too dangerous for anyone, anywhere. On August 28, 1967, Father Groppy led the first small group of marchers through thousands of hostile people. Groppy announced, We'll, uh, we'll never stop until we get complete human dignity. We're going to get fair housing legislation in the city of Milwaukee. We're going to walk till our feet are tired. Then we're going to walk on our ankles and on our knees. For 200 days, they marched through angry crowds, tear gas, and violent outbreaks. The marchers' dedication to their cause was stronger than all of these. Martin Luther King Jr. sent a telegram to Father Grappi. You are demonstrating that it is possible to be militant and powerful without destroying life or property. Please know that you have my support and prayers. In 1968, Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination brought together blacks and whites. It was time. In Washington, D.C., President Lyndon Johnson signed a national fair housing law so that people could live where they want to live. After that, the city of Milwaukee passed Vell Phillips' fair housing law, too. It took a long time simply because it was new, it was controversial, it was political, and it was um, um, just difficult, but we did it. We just go with the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution. We got everything to work with. After years of struggle by the people of Milwaukee, the city was finally starting to come together. Some will question whether or not the city has truly come together. Mm. See, that's the dilemma of discussing certain achievements because we we often look at what is on the ground today and we say how far have we really come why i think the the analysis is logical i think the Exegesis of that is kind of illogical. Because one would say that although we, and you've been through Milwaukee, and you've seen Milwaukee, and you've seen the devastation, mm -hmm. and one could clearly conclude that we've made no progress, mm -hmm. right? I mean, because statistically, Milwaukee is still considered the most segregated city in the United States. Absolutely, right? 
But on the other hand, that would devalue her work, right? And so I think one one must stand alone in their in their works. Um, and I could even go back to King. I mean, King, we would say he he. If if we looked and judged it by where we are at today, we might say King died in vain. But when we look at the magnitude and the impact of King's career, we would say that he changed the world. And I would say that Val Phillips, even though Milwaukee is a truly divided city, it is better off because of Val Val Mm -hmm. Phillips. And the inner core is falling apart. She introduced... This is what was amazing to me, even when I was studying Milwaukee's history and the race riots in the uh, 1967, July 30th, when I was studying that. And I ran across that she introduced this for six years. For six years. Now, how long was the teacher's strike? Uh, Ten days, roughly. She introduced the same legislation for six years. Now, let's let's just grapple with that for a moment. Sheer determination, knowing that I'm not going to stop this. I'm not going to give up on this. This is important. This is crucial. We how how long did we spend boycotting Mid K? <laughs> oh. uh, dang, maybe. <laughs> but, she, oh, my, she introduced this for six years. Where, wh- why have we lost that determination, that will to succeed, that that desire to not bend under pressure, under scrutiny, under under retribution? Wh- wh- where did it go? Where did it go? Because clearly today, among the black leadership, among the pastorate, among the legislators, we have no one that will stand up and, and, and be Val Phillips. Give me a name. I, I want a name. Give, give me a name. Give me an individual. I, I, I don't. Okay, people might say, well, okay, Michael, why don't you do it? Michael is doing what he do. Mm-hmm. Did you did you hear me just call you out? I'm doing what I do. Read what I write. Listen to when I when I give a speech. Whatever platform I have, Michael's doing what he's doing. But you are legislators. You are in in the in in the position of power. You speak to congregants every week. And where are you? You are absent. You are inept when it comes to this. And our people suffer because of it. Where? Brother, give me a name. I, I want a name. Just toss one out there. Hey. Okay. <laughs> okay. March for 200 days. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, those times are so uh, past us because the attention span is so short. You know, every week we're on to a new project, to a new grievance to a new something and it's hard to stay focused when you have all these um all these things that people are fighting for seeing every day by day 
So um, the media is at fault. And I'm not disagreeing with you. Not at all. I, I know there's multiple distractions out there. Maybe, maybe it boils down to leadership. Val Phillips, Father Grappi, Lord Barbie. These were individuals that came together to lead, right? Maybe it's, it's I'm cool in my own little corner here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? I'm, man, nobody's bothering me. I'm getting paid. My career is good. So, man, all that other sinus, you got to get yours. I got mine, right? No longer. Do you think, I don't know if you, if you know this, but the opiate problem and addiction has always been, it's always been an issue among black and brown people. It's always been on the increase among black and brown people. It wasn't until it reached white people that it became a crisis, Okay, why am I mentioning that? I'm mentioning leadership. Where are the leaders at on these issues? Where are they? Or were they when crack was around? Where were they? I'm just just saying, I, 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 I think the reason why we are in the position we are today is because we have put into power inept Leaders. Grappi said we will never stop until we have human decency. The brother said we will walk until our feet are tired and then we will walk on our ankles. (laughs) Then on our knees. (laughs) Then on our knees. Okay, folks, listen. We got to take one more break. One more break. Um, And then... We're going to bring the show to a close. But we're going to bring the show to a close, not with our words, but with Miss Phillips' word. Folks, we'll be right back. This is Elijah Bailey. This is Richard Taflin. From the Elijah Bailey Show, bringing you all the content that you could ever desire about anime, manga, comic books, martial arts, fitness, and more. You can find us at Elijah Bailey Show on the official Facebook page and also Elijah Bailey Show without the W on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to follow, subscribe, like, comment, and rate on iTunes and Podbean. This is Dr. Paul Ketchum, and I fully support one mic one voice and i recommend you do the same welcome back folks we had a comment d yeah oh yeah um now a comment says colin is doing a great job but just him isn't enough and i think they're referring to colin kaepernick oh absolutely the brother took the knee lost his job Lost his uh, potential for income. Um, gave it all up. He sacrificed it all but gained so much more. He gained the respect of people worldwide. I'm sure financially he's being taken care of. No matter where he goes, no matter what he does, he's speaking. He, you know, I would love to have the brother come here and, and, and be part of something. Um, just give a word of inspiration 
because I think uh, he is an example. He's an example. He is. He, listen, gifted. Finally, we found one name at least. Hey, we. we <laughs> I was looking for a name locally, mm-hmm. but I, I'll take it because it. it he, he 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 fits the description of someone that has has true conviction and someone that is going to follow through on that conviction. That's what the difference is. So after a week after King's death, it took the assassination yeah. of a king. I think that's something I wanted to mention too. You know, it's always a a martyr that have to show us who we are or make the difference. Um, that always has to be in the cards for us to see the changes, and that's sad. The assassination of a king, in order for us to get. The Fair Housing Act of 68, which is part of the Civil Rights Act. Protect buyers from discrimination. Um, It was part of the civil rights campaign to address certain issues. Get this, it's reinforced today by HUD, Department of Housing and Urban Development. And we know who's over HUD? Boy, Ben, 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 um, I don't don't even know what to say. Carson. Brother Ben. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The one who doesn't even know he's black. That Ben. The one that's confused every time he looks in the mirror that thinks he's seeing someone else. That Ben. The David Chappelle. Um. Uh, uh, what was that? <laughs> uh, black, white supremacy. <laughs> that Ben. <laughs> that Ben. Bill Bixby. Bixby. <laughs> that was his name. That Ben is in charge of enforcing. And I can, I can tell you, all you have to do, folks. Listen. One of my thought was, let me just let me just bring up some 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 sound bites for um, the modern day unfairness when it comes to housing. And I, I I thought, you know what? I'm not going to do that research for you. Just go out there and look for it. It's out there. It's all over the place. It is happening today where people are being, we're not going to hire, how, how, how applications that come in that have minorities on it are marked with a, with, with, with a, with a yellow highlighter. And they go right in the trash, right? Okay. Still, there, there's unwritten, we won't, as a realtor, we won't offer black certain listings. Okay. I'm not saying all realtors. So I got friends that are realtors. Don't even listen, don't even hit me up with that. I'm not saying I'm not inferring that to but I'm saying it, you know who you are and you know the firms that you work for that are doing that, that are that are not telling you not to, but are saying, you know what? Yeah, we this is a predominantly white area. Therefore, you know, right? Or you only advertise in certain spots that you know that are going to bring in a certain type of client. It's alive today. It's alive today, folks. Fair housing. Why is fair housing important? I don't know about you, but I want to live where I want to live. Mm-hmm. I want to live where my money take me. 
I'm just gonna keep it real. People always said to me, like, man, why don't you like? I don't. I, I grew up in the inner core. I don't live in the inner core. People say, well, brother, why don't you live in the inner core, man? You ain't, you know, you ain't, you ain't down with us. This and the other. It's not that I'm not down with you. I want to live where I want to live. At, at, at some stage of the game, I get to make my own decisions. That's right. I get to be my own man, right? I mean, it's not that I'm not turning my back on the hood. I'm not doing that, right? I'm giving all I can, but yet still, I have my own way that I want to do things, man. That's called being a man. That's called being a human being, being to make your own decisions. So what I'm trying to say to you is I should have the right to live wherever my money takes me. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Now I might choose to stay in the hood. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't no. I grew up. You know what? Hold on a second. When people criticize, I grew up in the hood. I'm like, how can you criticize someone that grew up in 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 one of the worst zip codes in the nation? Man, you're Uncle Tom, man. Oh yeah, man. You yeah, yeah. you despise your people. Okay. Man. Spend a day in my shoes, Jigaboo. Okay. Spend a, even now. Spend a day in my shoes and see who I'm dealing with every day. Not easy, man. Okay? See who I'm trying to encourage every day, who I'm trying to uplift every day, who I'm trying to include in the process every day. So spend a day in my shoes. And then you tell me. um, Then you criticize me. Again, Ms. Phillips fought so that we could have the right to live wherever we wanted to live. And no matter where you live, you black. You in America. You I you you live with with uh you know Donald Trump, you black. You be in Trump Tower, you black. You leave Trump Tower and get pulled over and get jacked, because you black, right? There's a black community without borders. No matter where you at, you in the black community, and to think any otherwise is foolish. Just because I don't want to be broke, busted, and disgusted. Oh, that's a whole nother topic. That's a whole nother topic. I'm not I'm not gonna even go there right now. <laughs> but I could. But let me say this. Her legacy. What is your legacy? Now, I believe Vail was ninety four, mm. I think. Ninety four. Ninety four. Mm. A life well lived. Man. Man. That is a life well lived. Nine to the four. Mm. And a legacy not built upon she was just still accomplishment. Working. Man, she was, man. <laughs> she was, man. And you know, I had to I had an opportunity, um, the University of Wisconsin Madison had just got her papers when I was doing my research. and But they were still going through her papers. So I'm looking forward to one day, man, being able to, as they digitize them and make them available, to actually go through her papers, man. That's going to be deep. That's going to be a whole nother level. I mean, what we see on the surface is what people have reported. And we've heard Val say a little something. But when you go through her personal papers, this is in the moments when she's by herself. This is in the moments when she's reflecting upon the cause and the struggle. When you start going through those papers, oh, man, then you see the Revelations. moment. 
Okay. That's what I'm excited about. I want to go through, let me go through the papers. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we <laughs> listen, folks, it's been a great show, but I want you to take a listen to not only she was honored uh, to name a juvenile, ju- juvenile justice center in her name, and this is the dedication. And uh, this is about legacy. What will be your legacy? Take a listen. From now on, the Milwaukee County Children's Court Center will be known as the Vell Phillips Juvenile Justice Center. The dedication ceremony was jammed with family, friends, and dignitaries. Every chair was taken, and people stood shoulder to shoulder in the back of the room to pay tribute to a woman they called a living legend. It's one thing uh, to be impressed with someone's accomplishments. It's another thing to be inspired by a person. She has been important to all of us because she stands for the concept equal justice for all. Before Martin Luther King was a national figure, Vell Phillips was the first African-American woman to graduate from the UW Law School, the first woman or African-American elected to the Milwaukee Common Council, and the first African-American elected to any statewide office. Just a few years ago, Phillips chaired the campaign of Wisconsin's first African-American U.S. Congresswoman. She broke the glass ceiling before any of us heard about the glass ceiling. And she had broken racial barriers in Milwaukee before Rosa Parks sat down. When Phillips took the podium, she teased Gwen Moore. And you know, Gwen, if I had decided to run for Congress, you wouldn't have been the first one. (laughs) They unveiled a portrait and a plaque and the new sign that will hang outside the building. Val Phillips insisted that the word justice was in the title. She has encouraged African Americans generally to get actively involved in government and politics. Hope for younger women of all colors because what she has done has crossed the color line. She has done so much for so many people here and she she's tireless. She doesn't slow down at all and she's as young now as she was 40 years ago. The official plaque that'll hang inside the door of this building had to be big to list some of her many firsts but maybe this line sums it up. Vell Phillips will always be revered as a pivotal figure in Milwaukee's civil rights movement. Phillips looked on as her grandson took the podium and recited without notes a poem she requested about the Supreme Court ruling that outlawed school segregation. There is a dream in the land with its back against the wall. By muddled names and strange, sometimes the dream is called. There are those who claim this dream for theirs alone, a sin for which we know must atone. Unless shared in common with others, like sunlight and like air, the dream will die for lack of substance anywhere. Her grandson says Phillips has helped him go after his dreams. I wasn't going to run for my debate team or vice principal, and she just inspired me. Now I'm the vice principal and I'm the captain on the debate team. Phillips told me she's always tried to live by the words of a famous quote from Winston Churchill. He said, um, we earn a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. There's so much out there to do. You just, you're only sorry that you won't be here but a short time to, to do it. I don't feel like I've done that much, really. You know, I've just been 
at the right place at the right time and God had been good and I had all these wonderful people who helped me. How could I not do well? When I asked about her proudest moment in a lifetime of achievements, Phillips told me about a woman she met at a church in Milwaukee years ago who asked if she could just touch her. She had her gloves on and she took off her gloves so my skin would touch her skin. And she just said, I just, you keep me going. I read about you, I hear about you, and when I get very down, I think about you. And that, 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 that blew me away. History will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, Scribe will reach down deep From into the archives of our time, and what will she find? Will she discover that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many we became one. Or will she find that we solved nothing and remain a divided peoples? Yes. History will speak of us. We can beat the change that's in our life. All we gotta do is work together. We gotta raise our children better. We gotta stop the hate, stop the hate, and spread the love. One mic, one voice, you can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice, you can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice, you can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice, you can change the world, it's your choice. Today's broadcast is being brought to you by Blacken Studios. To learn more about Blacken Studios, please visit them at blackenstudios.com or visit them on their Facebook page, Blacken Studios. Today's broadcast is also being brought to you by Perry Publishing and Broadcasting. To learn more about Perry Publishing and Broadcasting, please visit their website at perrypublishingandbroadcasting.net. The opinions of the One Might One Voice show do not reflect the views of Blacken Studios or Perry Publishing and Broadcasting. Thank you for downloading the One Might One Voice show.